boom i am back thank you so much for listening if you are listening um yeah i had it's been a good while since i put anything out so my laptop went tits up there was a couple of episodes that uh, i had recorded on there a couple of good episodes um, i've managed to recover this one and there's two others that i really want to recover off it but it's not looking good so that may not happen either way happy days i'm so happy that this one has been recovered because this was a great conversation keith is so interesting he's had such a crazy journey and uh i'm so grateful to him for sharing it with us um i think this is just a story i didn't have to do much here i just set keith off and, and off he went telling his amazing story so um i think there's so much in this for people to listen to and and learn from and then hopefully i'll have keith back on at some stage and we can we can talk again so yeah i'm so happy that that this one has been um recovered and back on the train now so i'm gonna keep tuning them out now um, I just lost my steam a little bit because uh, my laptop was done. I couldn't edit as well. So happy days. A um, couple of thank yous. Full Circle Coffee. Thank you so much. Uh, these guys have really helped me out. They've been very supportive. Um, two absolute legends in Brian and Dave. And the whole team down there are doing amazing work. Um, and they're roasting amazing coffees right here in Dublin. So check those guys out if you're into your coffee they're doing some of the best coffee out there if not the best at the moment um, and i don't say that lightly um on top of that a uh, unitas life up and coming supplement company run by a good friend david uh, hooked me up with some new recording gear thank you so much dave uh, keep your eye on that there's going to be some big things happening with unitas life now that's enough out of me so thank you so much enjoy the episode and uh, if you enjoy it let me know i'd love to hear feedback if you can share that would be greatly appreciated as well so thank you so much enjoy hello keith hello brother welcome That's legend <laughs> you always feel weird doing that after you've already introduced ourselves and yeah. all that but um yeah welcome, welcome. <laughs> thank you yeah, yeah i'm excited uh, to have a chat with you about you <laughs> there's a lot of me to go around uh, so uh yeah i was saying to you there that like the kind of overarching or underlying theme of, of this thing is like heroes journeys and like people who've taken a look into themselves and you know had to battle their own demons and take a look at their own stuff which we all have to do to some degree mm-hmm. during our life you know what i mean but um yeah i think everyone's story has value in it I think you've had an interesting story and uh, there's a certain synchronicity there with like where you're from and where I'm from and like how our paths have crossed several times uh, over the last couple of years. So yeah, I'm interested to get a little bit of a different angle. So the first two that we've done so far where, you know, looking at, we talked a little bit about kind of psychedelics and people that have like used those things as a way to step out on a journey. You know what I mean? But there's lots of other ways to embark on the path, you know what I mean? So you've gone a different way where you've you it all comes around the same the same 
right. journey happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it doesn't have to be whatever. It doesn't have to be psychedelics or, or whatever it may be. Do you know what I mean? And there's lots of different things that can start us on that journey. So, um, yeah, maybe start by just talking a little bit about yeah. yourself, where you, where you came from maybe, where you started, what your early life was like, and we can go from there and start. Well, I'm from uh, the Northern City, so around the Fruit Markets area, uh, D7. But uh, my youth, from a young age, I would have been a grafter. My family are street traders, used to sell uh, head boppers at the Dublin matches, used to sell candy apples, Beautiful. bags of sticks, used to clean turkeys Christmas outside the gates of the flats with me dad and family members. I used to make a lot of money, but I didn't get the, the percentage when <laughs> I was a kid. So <laughs> for, for my youth, I was always out walking, yeah. you know, providing, because in a working class background, you know, as you know, when you're coming up, one day be filled, the next day be waiting on filled, yeah. you know, because it'd be whatever the parents could bring in. Uh, my upbringing, i just seen a feather there, and that's a reminder of my own connection of who was watching over me I love at it. this moment, you know. Uh, so my mum, she would have been in an hour psychiatric hospitals when I was young, so with no role model. Yeah. My dad would have been out walking, he was a grafter, he, done, he was a man of loads of trades but no qualifications. I get you. You know, so yeah, he, yeah. he was a roofer, he was a toiler, he was, he was everything, you know, so we, we didn't see much of him, so I two younger brothers, so we became the Robin Hood of the family, Yeah, you know, he was the caretaker, he was the minor, and I still am today, and in some aspect in everyone's life that I come in, entwined with. So I would have not seen my mom much, and when I'd see her, she wouldn't be there on an emotional level because she was disconnected, because she had a breakdown numerous times, and she was to find her own demons and her own suffering, yeah. you know, and so there'd be family members there that would have cared for me. But most importantly, it would have been around, or you would have gone with a wave of different things, of people I'd have been attracted to, or people in school, I'd hang around with them, because I'd know if I go to their house, I'd get bits and pieces of food and different things, you know. I'd be looked after, yeah. I'd be minded for that day. If I went to my family home, I didn't know what was going to come in the door. My dad with his drinking problem, my mom with her depression problems. So there was always a wave of suffering in the house. Yeah. So there was uneasiness. So it was always easy to escape, go off at the lads or the gangs or the girls and just hang out, you know, as a teenager, as a mm. kid still. But then the, the dynamics changed, you know, people started going out on a certain end. I was in a boxing club at the time, Corinthians, and uh, I got into the boxing because. Uh, my dad would have told us, like, you have to be out to fight. Yeah. You know, now that means life, not physically. Yeah. But we took that concept, me and my brother Richard, and we ended up going into Corinthians and then Vispera Boxing Club. And uh, I was always full of fear getting in the ring. But when I got in, I was all right. So I was always in fear of everything, yeah. even because of the family home, because of my upbringing, because of things that happened through my life, up to that point. The fear was always internal. I was always fighting the demons were in. Yeah. I didn't know I had that until now. Toward the odd years down the line, I know why I was the way I was. Mm. But uh, I done the boxing and uh, I loved it, you know, and, and I trained hard and I'd be lost and I'd be fixated with the Rocky movies. And I used to watch Clint Eastwood movies, but it was an escapism for me as well because on a Sunday I used to, it's, it's a funny story. So. We used to use a co-hanger to get into the cinema. 
popping the door and getting in for nothing. Yeah. And this was the thing that we all done. There were yeah. about 20 or 20 us. But on a Sunday, I'd go on my own. And I'd pop in and I'd have a little Hamlet cigar and I'd think of Clint Eastwood. Now, whatever the movie would be. <laughs> but that's what I used to do. Yeah, Many yeah. a time I brought dates Love through it. the back door. Beautiful. You know, and they'd have you a VIP. But, you know, <laughs> so, so it was a chance, you know. And yeah. that's the way things progressed in my life. I was always seeing opportunities, you know. And uh, so we started coming into going out and on a Saturday night and Sunday, it'd be to 21s, be the hard bar. You know, I was getting 16, I was physically strong, I was mentally thinking I was a man, but I wasn't, you yeah, know, I was yeah. drinking with all the guys and I was partying with them and I thought I was one of the lads, but I didn't see the pitfalls that was to come, you know, so I'd be going out drinking and I'd be getting into fights, be fighting with pastry, with Bally Farmer, because we were from town, it was like, this is air tough, you know, yeah, yeah. it was like talk 182, you know, <laughs> uh, the gangs in New York, that kind yeah, of stuff, yeah. you know, and, and there was always clashes. But it was mad that on the Saturday and Sundays that we were fine, during the week we'd meet each other and we'd be hanging out. It was just when we got alcohol into us and weird, yeah. we became aggressive to each other. It was like, mm. it was like uh, this is my bone. You it's know? Young and chimps. Yeah yeah, 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 chimps thinking they're gorillas and it wasn't, it was all legal. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I know that today. And a lot of them people I became friends with and the, the rave scene started coming into the psyche. So this was the new. You know, and everyone was... more early 90s or something? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 this is when... Uh, I remember, because I started... I fell in love with a girl, right? So I was working on a family stall. We have a family stall, and it's over 100 years old. It's passed down from a generation. Now me and my brother has it. Wow. And we're still there every Christmas. Still selling the mechanical toys, still yeah, selling yeah. the PJs, all that kind of stuff. Uh, where is it? On Henry, Henry Street. Because I always see you on Christmas yeah. on Henry Street. Like, uh, I haven't seen you in a while. For that month, 24 yeah. days straight. Yeah. 12 hours a day, 13 hours a day. I oh walk like a dog. And I love it. I love interacting with people. I love mm. the energy. I love the buzz, the hustle and bustle. Because it's, it's me nature. It's energy. Yeah. And you never know what you see or what you bump into or how you could help or help you, you know, because yeah. it's about that kind of thing. Totally. And uh, this girl came up to me and she gave me a watch. I was like, wow. You know, she was standing to see me in 21 and she was younger than me. And he ended up dying and we fell in love. And the funny story was uh, my best friend at that time, a guy from Valley Fermi, I was with her for about two years and the e scene was starting to come in to fold. So when you swallow a knee, it's a love dove and you're not thinking of the people you're out with, you're thinking of the whole community. Because yeah. it was a community. It's like, uh, it's like training today, there's different communities, but back then the drugs were natural. Mm. They weren't processed. Yeah. They weren't danced on, they weren't mixed. Yeah. They weren't doused with this, doused with that. I'm not saying that drugs is the right thing to do. I, 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 no one should take drugs. Yeah. If you don't, it's, it's a choice. But a lot of the kids today don't have choices, and I'll get to that down the line. So we ended up going out on a Saturday, and we're going to the Eve, we're going to Swords, we're going to the soil, and going to the mansion house. The Olympia, so it became a ritual. Yeah, work all week, whatever you were doing. I was a grafter at the time, so I always had money. I was always able to knock things on. I can still do that today. It's just a tool, you know. We see an opportunity that no one else would see. Yeah, you know, I'm in Blake Flynn, as they say. <laughs> so, you know, but uh, we don't hold people today. But that's the main thing for me, you know. Yeah. But I ended up uh, the e saying that it started to progress, you know. So we weren't just taking in on a Saturday and Sunday and going back to work on a Monday or whatever we were doing, we were taking them during the week. Yeah. And they started progressing into more. And so 
more deeper, darker things, you know, because I have a lot of family members who have died with different illnesses from drugs, and I would have seen them, they, they moved into the heroin epidemic, because that's when the 90s, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So that started coming into the rave scene. So people were taking ecstasy, they were taking acid, and then they were taking heroin to come down. And I used to look at my family members and all, and I, because they were all dying, one or two of them had a HIV, one was on a dying of HIV, and I always swore that I'd never touch heroin, it would be a no-no. But in the midst of all this ecstasy and the love buzz and all that kind of stuff, I was at a party with one of my cousins of mine, and they put this stuff on powder, No, I didn't know what it was, I'd never seen it, I never knew what it was. On, is it okay to talk about this? Yeah, hundred percent, bro. This is the nature of where no, I'm coming this, from this and how. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? And uh, it progressed. You know, the first night I done it, I was with a couple of guys in the house in York Street, and uh, they said try this, and it's a funny story. There was a girl there, and she was bringing that up to the prison, and there was a guy that had a couple of hundred e at the party right so he ended up talking her into giving him a bit of that and she gave he gave her a few of them right so it was like it was a, a trade and i didn't know what this was and they were saying okay here's this silver thing suck it and i didn't know so when they said go we went and sucked all the powder and they're all screaming at me swallow it swallow it swallow and i'm like <laughs> what, you oh, inhaled the powder in not oh just yeah 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 without it being connected to the fire to make it into the tar <laughs> and the smoke i didn't know right right so so the fucking agent, so she, she ended up giving them more, and this time they stuck it, and I took the first hit. I was in the toilet, I was puking, I was vile, it was vile. But something inside me was like a light switch. Wow. Then we're, it, so then on a Saturday and Sunday, straight away when we'd be going out partying and after the walk of the whole week, we had to make sure we had that from when we were coming down. Right. So the partying aspect became a ritual with that then. Yeah. So it progressed. And what happened then, the progression, it got manifested. So it was a Monday, it was a Tuesday, it was a Wednesday. Then I started feeling, okay, I'm a little bit sick here. Didn't know what doing sick was. I didn't know I was addicted. Which is like craving fucking. It's like the body has the runs, has diarrhea, has cramps and your mind is just consumed with anxiety and stress. It's like if you've ever done acid, you've had a bad trip and you're still in the trip, but your body is physically aching. Okay. It's a horrible feeling. And is you this know? you slowly like becoming addicted to heroin yeah. and not realizing Not realizing and because of addictive personality, yeah. the boxing, training, walking. So it's, it's a pattern. And the yeah. progress, I'm an extremist. I'm mm. an all or nothing, I'm a yin and yang. I have that myself. Yeah, yeah I'm right, also yeah. human beings there. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Mm. So it progressed. So then, work ethics wasn't work. I wasn't getting up for work. I was a florist. I was a security guard. Funny story, I was down security in the East Wall uh, business park. And uh, my drug use started getting more manifesting. And my money started deteriorating. Wow. Okay, so yeah. I was taking more volume of inwards, but my financial aspect was doing So I started becoming a criminality aspect coming mm -hmm. in to feed me habit. So I'm doing security in this place, and I'm meant to be going around checking the security perimeters and all. East Point Business Park down in Fairview. So I got a brain where I have to put a pizza on. Right. So this, 
I'll put a pizza in the oven in an industrial fucking computer place. And I went down my rounds and I was going through petty cash boxes looking for fucking phones and all that kind of stuff. And I come back and the fire brigade and the police force are at the front gate. Right. I'm on a born in the bleeding building. Like, everyone's evacuated. And I walk out and I say, yeah, what's up? And he says, have a look at the side of the thing. The whole building was on fire. Fuck. You know, so my actions were mm. insane. I started seeing unmanageability and everything around me, my affairs, my life was starting to mm. spoil a lower effect. And I could see it. I could actually see it, but I couldn't stop it. Yeah. So then the drugs had me in a, 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 a state of turmoil that I started going physically out to get money. And it didn't matter what I'd done or where I was at. Just specifically to get. Feed me yeah. habit, not to fucking yeah. feed me pockets. To yeah. feed me habit. Yeah. And the people that I was with from the rave scene, we all started getting into the collective of being drug dealers. Right. So to feed our habit, we started being coming to drug dealers. And that was a knock-on effect mm. because what it caused, it caused a lot of suffering for me and a lot of, I nearly died a couple of times. It was fucking IRA, all that kind of stuff, anti-social behavior. Was this back in the marching days when they were, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was shot at, all that kind of yeah. stuff. And my son nearly died in my arms. Wow. In the house, yeah, a guy tried to come in and kill me. Insanity, like, chased the two guys on the motorbike. You know, uh, my actions were erratic. They mm. were insane. So it was barred from that area. I was, had to move out of the family home. Couldn't be trusted. Yeah. My actions were not me. It was like there was something inside that was just dragging me through these fucking so portals. So by a demon or fucking... Yeah, yeah I swear yeah. to God, to, you know, to talk about it and to think about it today, like the insanity of what I've done and the things that I've done and I'm, I'm guilt and shame but today I'm trying to correct all that I don't hurt anyone and I try to do the best I can but my spiritual aspect of how I came through all that is it, it, the, the magic you know yeah, I was 20 years lost 20 mm. years in active addiction 20 wow. years I was on 150 mils of methadone because what happened was the story manifest so one day uh, that girl I was in love with, I was on having a fight where I was on a push bike and I was cycling down the keys on the push bike. I was of a, a bad temper. Yeah. I always had very reactive. I go active and reactive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I seen this pregnant woman on uh, the Haney Bridge. See, I had always morals and values, and I always like integrity for that kind of stuff, and, and I've always had a good heart. And I seen this pregnant woman getting battered by three security guards on the Hankey Bridge and they're dragging her across the bridge and there's a crowd of people there. I pulled up on the push bike, got off and just watching this unfold. And she's pregnant, you know? And Fuck. an English guy and he's really fucking aggressive and he's dragging her by the hair like on the top. And everyone's saying leave her out. But what happens when I say leave her out? Yeah. So there's no need for he says, well, what are you going to do? So he jumped off with the reaction and hit him with a kryptonite lock. <laughs> Went to town on him like really went to town on him and I was only offloading what was going on yeah, with the yeah. relationship. Anyway, got on the bike cycle off, went up Henry Street, there was a friend of mine, we were, I used to sell t-shirts on a pram, two for a fiver. 
Nike Reebok before all these brands yeah, yeah. kicked in. I used to have two breadboards on a silver <laughs> cross pram. I used to make a, make a lot of money back then. I used to do CDs on the breadboard. Yeah. Two for a fiver before. Some nostalgic. I remember yeah. all this oh, shit when see, I was a yeah, kid. Do you so know what I mean? It's just, I, yeah, and yeah. Th this is what I've done. Mm. You know, I was a grafter. You know, I sold anything and everything. You know, uh, but what happened was uh, my friend and his sister's and I'm in a conflict. So I went back down. They were still pretending the woman, the guy was all over the shop. But it was like something out of a movie. The security in Liffey Street were coming out different doors and then we were just knocking them out. Yeah. It was like... I remember that too, that like if you fucked around in, a, in one shop, the, the security the were all, all, all connected. Down, yeah, were, I remember that shit, yeah. But I knew that I was on that street 24-7 yeah. and this is the insanity of my actions and no logic. Because there was never logic in my actions. Mm -hmm. So the security guards, I'm just knocking security guards out left, right and centre because when I boxed, I was very good. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like I, 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 I mean, that's not ego. That's, I, I just yeah, had yeah. that fight or flight syndrome. And anyway, what happened after that was the police came to me mum's and I was took out of my police. I, I took out of my mum's a couple of days after and I was done for GBH. Right. So I was took in the van. I was never in prison. 16, 17 years of age, put in this meat wagon, riding and crying in the van, taken up to St. Patrick's Institute. Full affair, full affair. I have to say that today, yeah. I was fucking like a child. Minute that gate opened of that van, and I walked in. When I used drugs, the same beast opened up again in me. So what happened was, went into the prison, seeing loads of guys from the area, image. One of the lads straight away, boom, yeah. boom. Fitted in like a fucking chalk and cheese, a fucking kid yeah, to yeah. the door. Straight in. But the funny thing, was only in there two days on Roman before. And uh, this is how fucking mad I am. Like, <laughs> this is how mad. There's a thing called the Annex. It was where women with HIV were. And it's part of St. Patrick's Institute. So I'm in the Annex. With two other guys in this four man cell. And there's a toilet on the left and there's a little counter with a table. And I see these bars and I says, hey, you could take them bars off, you could take that air vent out. In the place two days. <laughs> right? Chipped away with the air vent, took the air vent out and tried to escape. <laughs> the last guy, we were out in the, the yard, we were only getting out to the perimeter. Right. And the last guy, he came out head first, but it was a 15 foot drop. So when he came out, the noise and bouncing off the ground and the screams of him, because we come out arse, feet, arse force. Common sense. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but he's going from Ballymun. Oh my God. This youth, he heard us, the, uh, the, the screws, and so we are caught, battered, battered. And I just, like, I was only on a romance, so I was shifted then into Mount Joy. Different kettle of fish, different beast, yeah. different tank, yeah. different sharks, you know? So I'm on Roman wearing these PS prison clothes, it's freezing cold, so you have to wear a pair of George Webbs, a pair of grey slacks, a grey short or a blue short, and a, a fucking crombie jacket, like right. a duffel. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. you can't have your own clothes until you're sentenced. So I'm a couple of months on a man, because I'm on a down to court, they're not telling me, well, the guy that you're on is something, you can't be in the vicinity, and when a Friday you're going to intimidate him, so there's no bail. Oh, fuck's sake. So I'm in there. So the You're new only like 17 at this yeah, stage. Yeah, Fuck me. Yeah. So the new drug that come in, I'm in, I'm in there. There's more drugs in prison than there's outside. Yeah. 
the guys, I mean, with two guys out of Sheriff Street, and they're just getting parcels under the door, constantly envelopes. Coke gear, coke gear, coke gear. Well, I'm only in, and the guy says to me, he says, get methadone, and I'm like, what's methadone? He says, hey, you can get it here if you're on heroin or not, just give you urine. Right, so I'm on 50 mils of methadone. It's this brown stuff, right? And, and this is the delusion. Then I'm on Laractone to give it to keep you sedated. It's a pink, fucking horrible thing. It bloats you up, knocks you out. Right, so I'm in there and I'm on romance. Now I'm addicted to this. Every day I get this and I'm getting drugs under the thing. And then my mum's coming up to me. And my mum at the time, like, I'm, I'm oblivious to who she is. I'm oblivious to family members because I'm just in a spoiler. It's getting yeah. deeper and deeper and going deeper and deeper. I have no care and thought process for anything when you're around. It's like an animal in a cage and mm -hmm. you're just surviving. And you're not thinking of the outside world or the cause and effect on other people. Like I had a son, I had a partner, I had a mother, father and brothers. But inside, I'm just thinking, I want to get high, I want to get high. My mum comes up and a friend of mine gave her a lot of purple hearts to the sleeping tablets. And she's giving it to me, and we're meeting them over the visit, and she's giving me a block of hatch. Like, there's the savageness. Mm. My mum's bringing me up drugs. And I'm no guilt and shame in that. Yeah. And that's, I have it today. That's the cause and effect of what drugs does. Yeah. It takes away the fucking filtering of what's right and, and wrong. And she's doing that, or just like. Love. Yeah, wanting to remove something of pain, like. And she's know? looking at me all today, and then on the lower act on, and she goes home, and I remember because my dad come up, and my dad never seen me on methadone, he knew he was doing whatever. But he never seen, and he's looking at his son, his older protege, looking at this young lad deteriorating, because his own brother is fucking sick. His cousins and nephews, you know, he's seen this. Yeah. He's seen this picture. He's lived this picture. Now it's in his face. It's real. It's part of his lineage that's getting affected by this. Uh, and he says to me, "What's up with you?" And I said, "I'm just trying to get sleeping tablets." There, 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 there. Denying it, you know, and. Uh, I remember saying that on his face, you know, the guilt and shame that. Yeah. But that didn't stop me. Yeah. Went, got out of prison. The guy that was locked up with me at the time for the assault, he paid 10 grand fine. I had no money in my cut. I was fucking, I hadn't got it. But I got a bender, you know, and when I got out. What's a bender? A bender means that I was bound to the peace for two years, I did do probation, all that kind of okay, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I had to stay 100 feet away from Henry Street. Right. First thing I done when I got out, went straight back grafting. I was like, "Hey, waiting the pram up and down primary the street." Fucking well, yeah, money maker. Bread and bread and <laughs> I'm selling cigarettes on Moor Street. Yeah. Because that was a big thing then, and family members were supplying the majority yeah, of people. Yeah. So there was always that kind of, and you know, and the guy was still on the door, so he'd see me, you know. And but when I come out of prison, I come out with a, an ego. I'm a hard man now, yeah. you know? So my fucking actions start progressing even more. So I start drug dealing on a different level. I start getting on the methadone. When I come out, I went to pastry and they said they were the six week detox. That lasted 15 years. Right, so the thing about prison, uh, when you come out of prison, you're left with a void. So you're filling that void with something. I come out and filter with crime, ego, materialistic things and more drugs. Yeah. So then I start getting into a circle and hanging around with the wrong coin, not the wrong coin of people, my coin of people, mm. where I was at that time. Because mm. mm. that's what you are, you attract. Yeah. 
when we're cunt, I'll contract the cunt. Sorry yeah. for the language. No, 100%. But like that's, you that's the right, you know, when we're a wanker, I'll become a wanker. Yeah. If I don't like that person, if they don't like it, I start not liking You know, we, we go with what we are in that moment of where we are in life. So we was in that kind of dynamics. And the drug scene again was manifesting again. It was changing, it was evolving. People weren't doing heroin as much anymore. Right. It started coming to coke. Yeah. It started coming to crack cocaine. See, when crack cocaine came, I was a different beast. Okay. I was selling heroin to keep the crack going. And when you're doing crack cocaine, there's definitely no logic in life. Mm. It's an insane road of fucking madness. I'd be in different areas around Dublin and I'd be dealing and doing whatever and I'd be robbing and, dis- and fucking robbing guys and they'd be robbing me. Guys left me for dead four guys one night. Guy hit me with a four pound lump pummel. Another guy playing with a baseball bat. You know? Mm. And this is where I've gone around with two screwdrivers and slays in me short, going out to walk. Madness. You know? And yeah. th- this was a norm. This is the abnormal became normal. And people outside looking in and this kind of, you know, that judge people in addiction, they don't understand yeah. what mm. it takes to function as a fucking active fucking soldier because you are a soldier. Yeah. There's no stays off. You're going to war Monday to fucking Sunday. Yeah, watching your back, back 24-7. And yeah. you're always chasing the fucking next hit yeah. because that's your God. That's your control. That's yeah. your master. You know, there's no arm mm. tight today. I'm going to put my feet up and watch a fucking boxer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the body is telling you, wait, I've got the flu. You've got walking flu. You're out walking looking for something. Yeah. You know, or yeah. it's raining now. You're drowned. you got the drowning flu. You're out in the <laughs> fucking squeaking walking around. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. And, and, and it goes, wow. the layers go lower and lower and lower. And the, the animal, the human existence of morals and values get lower and lower. And there's a volume and the volume is torn down and down mm. and down until it's just... There's no logic. It's just repetition of insanity. Wow. So to come into the end of my suffering and my liberation, because this is what happened, you know, uh, so I'm 20 years down this, day in, day out. Wow. No days off, Joe. No wow. days off, man. I've traveled all around the world to do it. I went to Amsterdam in 2000. He looked at my passport and he wasn't letting me in. That was before he went in there. I went to see a European match, uh, Ireland against Holland, with my family and all my friends. And within 12, 13 hours, I was on a crack pike, selling smack and crack in Amsterdam, outweighing the locals. Jesus Christ. Cutting them out of the picture. <laughs> Total <laughs> fucking insanity, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, 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 and it's not a medal of honour. It's a bleeding medal of suffering because mm. it's sad. Mm. You know, the youngsters today, the youth today, girls and boys, they don't know what's in that. You know, the lifespan of someone today in that kind of environment is probably 10 years. Yeah. Then the mental health goes. Yeah. You know, we've seen that. So at the end, I might have been shot and ran out of the area. My son is nearly on a dying in my arms. And I had a lot of guilt and shame. Mad how the universe works. I come out of the church one, or I come out of the bills in, in an area one night, and something told me to go to the left. I went to the left and walked through a church, always saying your prayers, always spiritual, yeah. you know, and uh, I went that direction. I only found out two nights after there was a van on the other side waiting to take me off the modem. Jesus. And listen to your gut, or you listen to whatever it was. Yeah. And I've always had that. 
Wow. You know, we don't listen to me heart. They listen mm. to me to me. My heart mm. is me to me. Mm. That's probably why you're still, still alive. Well, it is why yeah, you're still, still alive. alive. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's an instinct of survival because mm. from a young age, I've always been a caretaker of myself. I've always had to caretaker what's been around me. If I go into a place today, a club or whatever, I always have me back to the wall or I always have me back to the bar because the barman ain't going to hit me with a bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that it's going to happen. No, it's still that nature yeah, of watching yeah. your environment. Mm. And, and that's just, it's an inkling that I always have, you know. Mm. Even if I'm walking down the road today and people, a couple of young people are walking this way, I'll cross over, you know, yeah. rather than walking through it. Yeah. I walk around it. Yeah, we have you a know. bit of that myself, just from growing up where yeah. I grew up, you know yeah. what I mean? It's that like... It's just that nature. Yeah, there's no an awareness that you can't... Smile, yeah, you yeah. know, and... For sure. But I come to the end of the 20-year run, I ran out of the house. So my dynamics changed and the family, my mum and dad, like they were, they were always been there, they always took me back in. But this time they couldn't take me back in because mm. they didn't know whether the door was going to come in. Yeah. Someone was going to come in and kill them as well. Yeah. And I didn't care. It was all me, 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 the victim, the mm. victim. But what about me? So my dad... He used to have a little metro car. This guy on the street. He had a metro car in the flats, facing the house. He used to leave it open in the night. My cousin was in a Granada, and his mum lived underneath me, and he lived in that. He lived in that car for about two years. So we lived in the metro. Right. He lived in the Granada, and we thought we had a maid. Wow. So this is coming to the end of my rock bottom. Mm. This, this, this is this is where, the, you know. So. Go back home with a doctor. So I was on a doctor called Crowley. For years I hated this guy. I thought he was arrogant and he was obnoxious and he wasn't. He's dealing with a lot of people with a lot of issues and his way of dealing with it is trying to tell you the best way to get help. Yeah. But as addicts, as people suffering from an illness, we know best. But if you're on the other side of the coin looking in, yeah. we know fuck home. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know, I know, I know. But I know, I know, I know, you know, that kind of cliche. So I went back onto the clinic, went on a high dose of methadone and started a day program. And this day program, this is where it all changed. There was a guy in there called Sean. And uh, one of the weekends, they said, we're going away to this place called Jambaline. It's a Buddhist center, would you like to come? We're going to go up there, we're going to just hang out for a couple of days, we're going to do workshops on addiction and set plans in motion. And I didn't know then there was planting seeds. So I went up and I seen this uh, Buddhist monk, he was there on a practice teaching a class. Never thought of that, another. Instead the weekend, doing a bit of my This is in Dublin now, this is No, it? this is in Cavan. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went up for the three days, or four days, and uh, came back. And I was in this day program, as an addict, as, as someone that milks shit, because that's what we do, we yeah. milk it to the bitter ends. <laughs> I was on a, 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 a two-year program thing that there's only two years and they got an extension of another year. And the last day of that program, I had to make a decision to go into a treatment center okay. to get clean. So I had to go into this treatment center, had to set in motion, seeing counselors coming down on methadone, trying to give an honest urine, like, I tell you, I should have been a scientist for the fucking toolboxes. I should have, yeah, man, uh, the, the Epson, the light bulb guy. You want to see the gadgets I did to give your lines? <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have a wine fucking tube up here. 
with a squeezer with urine <laughs> so they think it was pain and, and getting pissed off someone else yeah wow do you know yeah. that's yeah. that's how insane be heating with a lighter before they go in so it'll be warm like this is the stuff that the mind yeah, and it's mad how the human so we're using our skills like using our, your wits yeah survival yeah. like if it was in the fucking desert how yeah. would I get water I got yeah. to the cactus <laughs> do you know that kind yeah. of but it, it was mad so at the end like the family let me back into the house on conditions I went to the doctor I got me urine so I started putting the motion changing and I could feel it you know I could feel something was changing just before I went for the interviews of the was a detox centre and I shouldn't be naming the place, uh, you know, but uh, it saved me life. So what happened was, it was my dad's 35th anniversary and my mum, and uh, they were 30 odd, 34, 35 years together, and they had a falling out that day, and my mum turned them out of the house. So my dad was a gargler, and he was very proud, wouldn't let anyone help him, had a paper stall at the tax office with his brother. And he was there every morning and then he was into the pub and then he was off ground and then he was back into the pub. And this was his repetition. He was caught in his own sansar, his own suffering, his own will. And I'll get to what that means now in a bit. So he ended up having a heart attack. That day before he had a heart attack, he was sleeping on the, on the streets because he was drunk all the time. And he, he just went, he, he lost, he, he just went pee-tong. Mm. And... Uh, I met him that day and I was talking to him the day before. I was asking him how he was and he said, fuck off, you're only here for your ma, blah, blah, blah. And I honestly was asking him how he was, but he was in front of all these cronies and he was all image and ego. And I know that today. The next day, that, the next morning, I got a phone call, I was in my ma's and he was on a sleeping on my brother's chair and my brother woke up to go to work. He was a scaffolder and found him dead on the chair. Fuck. So the next day I was seeing him in James' street and after that, we just went into the spiral of guilt and started using heavier. Right. Start ex just didn't care. Just went boom, boom, boom. Dealing with the grief and just... Not fucking... dealing with the grief, escaping from the yeah, grief. Yeah. You know, dealing yeah. with the guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Using on the guilt and shame. Mm. And I just went deeper and deeper and deeper and my psyche changed and I started getting a little bit more. But I was still turning up to the day programme. So I remember my ma rang me and she says, uh, that detox centre is on a ring in it. So it was that treatment centre I named earlier. So I went up and you had to be on 50 mils of methadone and a couple of tablets to get clean to go in. And I told them a lie, <laughs> as you do, I was honest. So they took <laughs> me in. So the day I'm going in, this is how deluded I was. So I had one more run in me. A friend of mine that's in recovery and my younger brother David came to my ma's to pick me up. This is how fucking deluded I was. I two black bags, all designer clothes, because I'm from the flats and every shoplifter lives in the flats. <laughs> you know, you know, Air Max, your Levi's, your Sovereign, your Gold Chain, your T-Bear, a lot of bollocks. And an Xbox, because they were only out. <laughs> and I'm going to treatment. And my mate says, where are you going with the bags? He says, what's in them? He says, he says are you fucking real? He says, you're going to a detox centre. Before the night is over, you're going to be using down in Bally Farm and selling the yeah, fucking stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I had no psyche of what I was doing. But I knew something was guiding me. It was me dad. It was me dad. My higher power. Mm. So I went into the treatment centre. This is a true story. Went in. First day, everyone's sound and well. They're all days and they're going to different treatments, aftercare and all that kind of stuff. That night, 
one of the guys got out a window, went down to Chapel Hill, got a load of drink and brought it back and he had a hoodie. And I know what drink done to me. When I drank, I started getting fights. So I didn't drink anyway. The next day, they tried it again. They were all thrown out. So I'm in the treatment centre on my own. I remember, like, what the fuck? I got through that, you know, and, and that was 29 years ago. So I had to go into another treatment centre and then I had to go homeless because I couldn't go back to the family home. And then I started going to a halfway house out in Swords. It's a recovery house. And I started down day problems. And they asked me what I wanted to be. And I said, do you know what? I wanted to be a physio to a spot. I want to do personal training. So they gave me the money to go to the NTC. So we done the NTC. And I was in the NTC. And I met people that were in recovery. Because I, I was on the journey of recovery now. Yeah. At this stage. So when you start coming in to find who you are. You start experimenting with other spiritual things, connection, belief, values, mm. morals. And uh, I was into the martial arts, and it's a funny story. My, I, had a, I had another son, and his mum was out in Bally, I was out in Tallaght. When I went to the training centre, I was seeing this girl, and it progressed, and we nearly got married. I was engaged to her. But I was coming up to two years clean, and my son died. Right. You know, and I was in recovery at this time, and I got through. And I, you know, I, I knew I, I had a son still here, the guy that the kid that I nearly died back then. So I knew I had to be accountable for that, and I couldn't go drink, and I couldn't go use, and I could I no excuses, you know. So I met this guy on the Lewis, Barney Coleman. He's a martial artist, tenth degree grandmaster. He's sick at the moment, but he changed my life. So I went, he said to me, come down to the club. So I went down to High Street, and I was in High Street, and uh, seeing these old men, not that they're old, they still can handle themselves, mm. doing amazing martial arts. And I remember that night, doing the class, and my phone fell out of the bag into the bag, one of the lads, and I was afraid to ask him, because I was overwhelmed, it was real Bruce Lee, kind yeah, of yeah. shit, these guys <laughs> down. You know, and I, I, I was attracted to it. So I ended up going back there every day that he, it was on, and uh, in between that, I was looking at meditation. I was looking at mindfulness and all that kind of stuff. Because I was doing yoga at home off a DVD. And uh, I, was, I was searching. My psyche was searching. But mm. I didn't know what I was searching. I remember going to the place up in uh, Renly. And up in Terry No meditation class at Buddha centres. Going down and going to Buddha tents. And uh, they were talking about practices and the hammer and all that kind of stuff and it was alien to me and then I was in a Buddhist centre down in Crow Park and it was Croatians it was Diamond Way and I'd be sitting in a, a house and I'd be there I'd be present and I'd be turning up what I was on the phone with recovery that I have to turn up on a daily basis it doesn't mm. matter how I feel just turn up just do it mm. go and try in a full affair just turn up just do it you know Barney used to say to me you won't see how far you've come until the next person comes in behind you when you look at how fragile and knowledgeable less they yeah, are yeah. to where your little bit of knowledge, then you know you're grown. And I always kept that concept of everything. So the Buddhist thing was starting to store itself up, you know, and uh, then I was going along and I was trying in Campo and it was amazing, me journey in Campo, you know. I was winning everything, you know, before I knew I had two European titles. 
then I was going to America, I was fighting, and I won that. And I was like, wow, this is this. And I never affirmed, put affirmation on myself because I'm a very humble guy. I am. I don't need anyone to tell me that. Mm. I hate praises. If someone tells me I'm good, I get it all. Because I'm not used to being told on good stuff. I'm, tells them bad things, yeah, I know them. But when you tell me I'm nice, you're kind, you're respectful, and you're a good guy, you're like, you know, it's like, fuck off, get all cringy. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. you know, but I still like that today. But I went to uh, this Buddha centre up in Kamainham. And I said, it was about fucking nine, it was about nine, ten years ago. It was ten years ago. You know, and I was in early recovery and I was still fresh and everything was pink fluffy cloud and I was trying to find my feet. I was still down the camp and all. And uh, the guy that brought me to Jambaling over 15 years ago is sitting in the practice teaching. I was like, wow. wow. And then a guy that was in treatment with me is the guy that I'm going to the practice with. Wow. Yeah. No coincidence. You know, it's synchronicity. Mm, synchronicity. Yeah, yeah, and I sure. believe that today, crossroads. Mm. You know, and uh, so I went to Vegas, you know, and uh, I won there. Uh, Jeff Speakman, he's a Hollywood actor. I won his championships. And, and the funny thing about it was, you know, before I went to there, the, so I'm not going to skip, before I went there, the guy in the Buddhist center, he says to me, he said, Would you be interested in going to uh, the Buddhist center in Thailand? And I was like, I don't know, but just at that time, my mum at the time, and it was 2009, because I was only playing there, and I was talking to my friend in LA, the guy I'm talking about, he's living in LA at the moment, and I was only talking to him the other, yesterday about our journey, you know, and uh, my mum was only taking a stroke, and the hospital let her out, and she took another stroke on the other side, Okay. you know, the same yeah. day, so it was, Fuck. and I was on a booking tickets to go to this monastery, in Thailand, that I have no fucking clue what is doing, what am I doing here? And I went up to my mum, she was in the mental hospital, and I said to her, I says, I'm gonna be in if I go over here, the merit of what I do, you're gonna get better. And I could see her in her eyes, because my ma would be, like, oh, I know I'm the favourite, you know, <laughs> I know that today, you know, because of the other two boys, we always laugh and joke about it, but I was our apple. You know, I was at yeah. Apple, you know, I was like her, you know, and uh, I remember telling her this and she's looking at me with sadness, but she said to me, go, you know, so I sent an email to this place in Thailand and Christy Digman was in this place, a couple of famous people were in it and it's in the middle of North Thailand, it's in the jungle and they sent back an email, you can come over but you mightn't take it. So Christy was on a fucking roof for everyone that was Irish, <laughs> truth be told. Really? Yeah, because he oh. went there, done whatever, and a couple of them left that the monks. fucking hilarious. But that's a true story, that's a true story, <laughs> and, and you know, and, and I know Christy. You know? Wow. Yeah, so we went over, and uh, it was the day my dad's anniversary that we're going into this monastery. So wow. we're in a tuk-tuk, coming up to a mountain with all mist coming over like gorillas in the mist with two joint elephant statues with tusks going over and I'm looking at the lads and I'm like when we done a video documentary we were talking about it yesterday here's all the tapes and he has to do it all out and this place is from so there was a Buddhist monk so in 57 uh, Lampoyoy is the name of this woman monk 
because of Cambodia, they used to bring all the opiates through all the Bermuda Triangle, all through uh, Thailand. But there was a lot of addiction back then, and a lot of the American soldiers and everyone else was getting strung out, and they were killing addicts, they were shooting, because they didn't know how to deal with them. But these monks says that we need to help them. Mm. So they set up this sanctuary in a mountain, and it became a mountain from a cave to the city of a monastery. It's called Tampa Buck. So Lon Poyoi, she has this herb that's, um, she's not the abba now, uh, Vin G is the abba now. She passed away. And uh, so we're going into this monastery and they don't know whether they're taking us and it's like, right, what they own it? Because we're mm-hmm. Irish, we try on. You know what I mean? We invade everywhere. On a wing and a prayer, wing let's a, go. A wing and a prayer, we're going <laughs> in. So we're at a table and they're asking us, uh, what are you here and what it entails and I remember just saying, I says, my mum's on a taking a stroke and there was a nun monk, may she, she was real tough. She said to me, she says, if you do the satchets and don't break them, your mum will heal. And I just broke down crying. And I think that action of the humility in me at that moment opened the door. Mm. So we went in, there was three of us that took robes. So the robes, it was funny, you know. So we're going in with our backpack with all the bits and bobs, thinking, iPod and the whole shebang. That's not <laughs> going to work, right? Everything is took off you. Yeah. It's put in the safe. Your passport is took off you. Wow. You have to go and sit with a monk and he, he, he gives you a sachet, so it's a bit of paper. So it's your own mantra. So you have to say it for seven days and then you chew it. So anytime you get hungry, you say a mantra. Anytime you're suffering or someone's suffering, you say a mantra. And I have my own mantra that I was given on that bit of paper. And I still say, I said it this morning, just after me practice, just to re energize that. Amazing. It, yeah. You know, and uh, so I'm in there every day. We're, doing, we're up at five every morning. For one hour, you can eat from seven to eight after your meditation. But you can't eat till the next day, seven to eight. 45 degrees very human, constantly uh, doing walking meditation, wherever you are. So I was with uh, Ajahn Tong. This is the guy that built Tampa Buck. Okay. This guy has hands of something spiritually unknown. He built a speedboat for the king of Thailand and it's still there. It, 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 he built the temples a couple of hundred feet high. At the top of the temple of the Buddha, every Buddha, it's, all, it's gold. So anyone from Thailand, they come and give offering the gold and they put it into the top of the head. So the gold part of the Buddha, so it's, it's like paying passage for the yeah. life. And any Thai boy that's born into the family has to go in and get the merit for the family. They have to become a monk. We marry, I mean like building up good karma. Good it? karma, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So your dharma is your karma. Yeah. What you treat and how you treat people is your dharma. Mm. If you have bad dharma, you have bad karma. It comes back. Mm-hmm. It's a cycle, it's a wheel, and you know we were talking about it yeah. the last time we were talking. Yeah. But, so I'm there doing this, and every day, we, me and Michael at the start, and Danny at the start, we're sitting there and we're in our robes, and you know, we're like surreal. So first morning, first couple of mornings, we're looking at these ladles of food. Some days you get a, a roll of toilet roll, you get a can of coke, because it's going to be gassy, it's going to be spicy. So they're telling you, you're going to be shitting all day. <laughs> But then someone is like, you're wondering what it is, and they're telling you, don't taste it, just, it's substance. Yeah. Don't value the substance, because, you know, don't put a name on it. 
But every day there's these two people sitting in front of you, smiling. And we didn't twig it. No one's telling us nothing. So we're just following Sue. What he's down, wind down. What they're down, we're down. Yeah. They get up, I get up. If they're eating, we're eating. If they're not eating, we're not eating. So that's the way this, because a lot of them didn't speak English. So we were like in the middle of a fucking storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering why. <laughs> well, what are we doing? Yeah. Every day we were fighting the demons winning. But I did yoga, man. So I was training in yoga. I was down vinyasa all the time, son. I was down, I was down my flow. I was down sun salutations as best I knew because I didn't know anything. I was trying to stay physically active. I was teaching a couple of martial arts moves because I knew nothing. <laughs> but what happened was, the two people that were there every day, after about a week or two, me and Michael realised, had a moment of clarity, as they say. The more we ate, the less they got. So we learned then, the lay people around the, the monastery come in with the food. Okay. They give it to the monks. Wherever the monks live, they bring it home to the family in the bags. Wow. So the more greedy, hungry, self-centred we were, the less they got. So the less we took, the more they got. So we learned tools of empty, compassion, wow. love, given, without even knowing. Because yeah. we knew further down. So we were seeing light bulbs all the time. So we were, and then in the night, from half six to half seven, there was a couple of hundred monks doing Sanskrit. So Sanskrit is, it's a prayer book of chanting. Mm. And for an hour, it's just like, so this place is a detox for people trying to come off drink drugs and whatever okay. as well this is what it's formally for to call for as monks but it's a buzzer it's buddhist belief so the, there's nine satches so the satches when you take them at the start and you're jumping and swapping <laughs> but a satcha means that you take these nine vows that you can't break and if you do you have to light incense sticks in front of lampoyoi because she's in the cave in a yeah. glass sarcophagus still Wow. You know, yeah. she's still there. And you go up and pay homage. Now you're going into the cave where there's these joint caterpillars, uh, centipedes, they're red. So if you see Aunt Red run, if they eat bite you, they burn the fuck out of you. <laughs> right? There's snakes, there's tigers, there's monsoon. So you're waking up in the morning and you're six foot in water. Jeez. Then afternoon it's nothing. The water is coming from the mountain. So that's how you get your fresh water. The electricity is from the water. Everything is self-sufficient. It just walks. Mm. So we're there anyway, and uh, an amazing experience. But Lampo uh, Lampo uh, So she she's she's she was the one that formulated this, and then the monks followed too. And then there's people there, American people. I met people, scientists, nuclear scientists, doctors that go recharge, take themselves out of the environment of life. Mm spark the life you're in and go back out and give it back out so it's like you're kindling the inner self to go back out and give it and, and i know what that means today yeah. i didn't know then like I, i'm going on blind faith I'm, I'm turning up to this i don't know what this is but i know something is going to transcend from this because i have faith Mm. you know uh, and I have hope and belief and it probably felt just like real and wholesome and yeah, like, yeah it was it yeah, was yeah. Uh, and I didn't bring the ring with me today. So I, like, so I'll, I'll explain. So we're there anyway, and uh, there's, this kid, there's this human, right? She's Down Syndrome, Ajahn Tong. He's the guy that, he's the top architect there. And he doesn't 
he walks around these roads 24 7 and there's he he he's a carpenter he's a clay he he's a potter the stuff so you're there walking I, I chose to walk with him because yeah. i was inspired i love what i seen. so he built this log cabin and built a lake for his niece that had down syndrome had a swing so every day i go down i'd be there i'd go over i'd swing her you know she never talked any english or anything like that like she was she was suffering in her own suffering yeah and i'd go to the shop to get credit to text my partner at the time and family members letting them know how i was for that moment they give you the phone and you can do it, and then you have to give it back yeah and what happened was something happened with me and her in a connection of energy so at the last day me and michael are sitting uh, and it's our last sitting at breakfast and she comes by all the high monks, comes all the way down. No one told her, I gave her direction or not. She come down in front of me, start bowing in front of me and crying. And it was just a moment of, <sighs> Michael was there and he was like, what the fuck? The energy of it. We were on a touching and the monks were on a seeing our transition of the months we were there from the self-centeredness, egotistic to the soft loving. Incredible. And that's what I got. And in that moment, I realised I was on a transcendent to something better. Wow. I'm not Foxy anymore. Yeah. I'm Keith. So there was this, they have this herb, it's 165 or 167 different herbs. And for the detoxers, they give it, it's a black tar, it's, a, it, it's, it's like tobacco. It's a secret. Only the medicine man and the admin know what it is. But when you take this right, Jody, when I tell you you have enlightenment and ayahuasca is probably the same thing. It's not, uh, in my knowledge, and hallucinogenic, but it's a, it's a body cleansing of phenomenal. I've done 21 days straight of it. Every day I have five. And I even deal with the, the people in the detox. They have shores that they all bow down and the, the high priest, the, the monk, he comes around, the medicine doctor, and he floats. This true story, this guy was the triad's top guy and he was cornered in a house, an apartment block in Thailand. And uh, the army had him surrounded and he prayed to Buddha and he prayed to get him out of there. Now, this guy survived the samurai sword, he has the scar stuck straight through him. Jesus. The army, he come out, this is the truth, he come out, he was a, he was a, so he, he was able to make heroin and opiates and all that kind okay, of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. he was a, a pharmacist yeah. and he was one of the top triads. He came out of the monastery, he came out of the apartment block, got past the army and walked to Tampa Buck, went in, met Lon Poyoy and became the medicine doctor. Jesus. And he's still there. And this guy just has an elegance of just floating. I swear to God, it's it, like he levitates around the place. He lives in a hut in the forest. And there's a story that he met a lion one time and it came in front of him and he just wished it well. And, and I believe it because his, you, you can see it. Mm. You, you can see the calmness in him. You can see, you can see the source of the inner self, yeah. the connection to the universe, everything. Because everything is in tune. When you wake up in the morning in the forest, if you do in Ireland and you hear the birds squeaking on in the morning, you have a very in tune and you hear things, everything opens up and levitates at the same time every morning. Mm. The animals, the plants, energy, the sun, it all works in sync. Mm. So when you're in tune with yourself in the jungle, 10 times volume, it's it's like a computer and you, you can feel that, mm. you know that's, and, and that's, 
when I do things today and I get I get that feeling internally of that's the nurture in itself. Like the cycles being in in the cycles. Yeah. So so the last day we finished Tampa Buck and there was a monk there six and a half years from Ireland. Gardy was his name. And the day he a couple of days before we left, he was going around giving us all trinkets. For no reason, as if he knew something. I swear to God it was like he knew something. He gave me a ring, I have a moulded. And I'll just show you, I don't know whether the camera's on or off. Is yeah, yeah, we can take a snap of that as well. So he ended up we went out that day, the that last day we were finished, and I got this, there's Mount Poyoi, and there's the four stabber after her. Wow. You can't get this. These have to be earned. In Thailand I was offered a thousand euro for that when I come out of the monastery, a guy wow. me. That is priceless. That Amazing. Is, that's what you get when you finish. I got that off the Abbey and I got a statue on him as well. Incredible. But Gary, when we come out of the monastery, we went to the hotel because we're only been living in the jungle for a couple of months. With no trinkets, no swimming pill, no yeah, yeah. service, no no fresh beds. Living with mosquitoes and fucking tents with a, a, a fishnet over us so we didn't get bit. And the funny thing, I never got bit by any mosquitoes. You know why? I asked the monk, one of the monks there, and he says, because you haven't got bad karma. Wow. Like, okay. I know you always thought it was sugar that you feed on and yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So I believe what I was being told. Now, whether that's a, f a farce, I don't know. But anyway, we, we went out that night and Gary came out. He was six and a half years in the monastery from Dublin. They called him the baker, <laughs> you know, and uh, he ended up having a heart attack and dying. I was on a heading to the airport and they didn't know. And I got back to Ireland and I looked at my emails and Michael was telling me what happened was so when you're doing the monastery, they cremate and they put your ashes in an urn. And he was saying there was a butterfly flying around all through the service with all the monks, they were all chanting and all. And they gave Michael the urn and the butterfly came over and landed on the, on the urn. So for two weeks, they were still had two weeks left in Tampa Buck. And they ended up having to carry Gary around with them for two weeks. So the story, when they came home, Michael and Paul went up to Gary's mum to give her the urn of her son. And what was in the bedroom? A butterfly. Wow. <laughs> Madness. No coincidence. Yeah. So my journey then was, I went over as Foxy and I changed. So I came back to Dublin and it was a volume of everything was too loud, everything was too fast. So my psyche said to me, you need to slow down. So I was like, wait, what do I do? What do I do? I need to do yoga. So there was a place called the Sanctuary up in Monastery. So we Googled it, went up, paid them a deposit, and the next enrollment, I had a deposit down. But they texted me, or rang me, and says that because of the waiting list, the priority is the people that's always there, the regulars. Right. So I wasn't happy, so I went up like a pit bull, and I was like, <laughs> fucking constant, da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it was still all about me. Yeah. And I went up and got the, and I was walking down the hill and, and I remember there was a guy called Brian. He was a Plante's teacher from the treatment centre. He used to come in twice a week and I liked what he'd done. I know he's a personal trainer at this time and I was only been studying to be a massage therapist and that's how he ended up going to, I walked out of college and went to Tampa Buck. Right, yeah. So it was my ego. 
women on a plinth in Danone. Hey, happy days. <laughs> so I was brought to Tampa Buck to take that away, and I know that today. I didn't know that back then. <clears throat> but I went into this place called the Elbow Rooms, and I was in there every day, and I was practicing yoga. I was doing Hatha and Vinyasa. And one of the guys was a Crab Maga guy from Brazil. Keith was his name as well, funny. And he says, I'm going back to Brazil. He says, why don't you go up and ask the woman, uh, Lisa, can you be the caretaker, help out around cleaning and all, and you get free class and they pay you. And I was like, okay. But I used to look at her as a school teacher. Yeah. So every time I went up to ask her for the job, I get, you. I get all fucked up and I'd walk away. And then one day she came and said to me, Keith, can I ask you something? I said, yeah. She said, you're here all the time. Would you like to work for me and get free class? And I says, no. And she says, why? She says, you're paying every day. And I says, no, I want to be a teacher. So she says, well, if you come in, so we start making soup, start washing floors. So we was humble. You know, I know mm. what being humble and being humiliated are. Mm. To the end, to the two scopes of different ends. So I went, went in there every day, done what I had to do. And before long, she put me in touch with a woman called Susan Church, one of the top Pilates instructors and yoga teachers. Very beautiful woman up in Renly. A rap when she had a studio. So I used to go up there <coughs> and I, uh, for college. And I seen her one day teaching a blind woman in the class of everyone. And I just thought, that's what I want to be. I wonder one day would that ever happen to me that I'd be able to teach someone with a disability mm. and I have I remember I had a class and a woman was deaf and I do verbals and hand signals as well as communicating what I need you to do and she came out to me at the end of the class and she was talking like that and I was like that moment just come back you know and then I went <clears throat> done a lot of voluntary work working with Down Syndrome in Ballyferma you know and uh, I was meant to get paid for it, but I didn't want payment. They gave me a box of roses and a card at the end of it. That was payment. <laughs> nice. See, it's not about the film. For me, it's not about the materialistic things. So then I went to America and done that Campo thing. So I was over there and so I'm jumping again. So we done the yoga. I became the yoga teacher. <clears throat> and I was still doing the Campo. But there was something missing in me. You know, I'm, I'm a free spirit. Mm. I know I am today. Look yourself, I see it. Yeah. You'll never see me really with the same person. You know, I'm always yeah. floating. Yeah. You know, and that's what I love about life. <clears throat> and choices, you know, freedom from self. Freedom from active addiction is freedom mm. from self for me today. That's why I'm living the dream, my dream, you know. It doesn't matter what other people dream. That's their journey. Mine, I know what mine is about today. And I've seen... Uh, Seeing this jiu-jitsu guy is fighting me over here and I was watching him fighting before I had him in the semi-final, a guy from California. And my stand-up beat him anyway, because I knew there was a guy from Team Rhino, uh, Dottie, and he was saying to me, don't let him clinch it, don't let him clinch it. I hadn't got a clue what clinching was. Yeah. He said, just don't let him get you on the fucking floor. So I was just <laughs> like, yeah, okay, that's clinching. And I remember in the middle of it when we were grappling and I was holding him, because I knew I was watching his takedowns and I was watching his submissions, armbar, and I think he got a triangle. And I was like, fuck, that was nice to see that. And the guy was bigger there, he was fighting, because it wasn't weight, it was belt. And uh, anyway, I, I stepped back, broke the clean, stepped back, caught him with a couple of combos, then caught him around house and dropped him. And, and I, won the, I won that, and then I went on to win the competition. And I realised then, I need to come back and learn jiu-jitsu. Mm. You know, it intrigued me, the mechanics, the, the humility, like we were talking to Archer, and the guy was so nice. 
Well, he was all ego, but he was so nice and calm. He was with his wife. He said, you got me a black guy, you boxed the lean head on me, whatever, right? <laughs> and I was like, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Usually when I box the head out of someone, they never come back and saying that was nice. <laughs> do you know? 100%. So I came back to Dublin and uh, I started googling jiu-jitsu and there was one around the corner just up the road and it was SVG and I'm not slating them. Great team, great what they're on down to the sport and McGregor and all that kind of jazz and the kids off the streets and crumbling and helping the community and all. And that's what the art is about for me anyway. Mm. And I remember going into the, the, the dojo or whatever you want to call it and I went in, the guy out the door, he says, yeah, I'm just down the class, sit there. I was there for about 40 minutes sitting on a bench, lockers behind me and I was like, I'm coming in here to pay for something and that's, you don't treat people like that. Mm. You know, like, I'm an asset. I'm an asset today. And yeah. I'm not better at war value more than anyone else. I know my own value, you know, and I know integrity. You know, and uh, and I fucked it. So we ended up leaving. He never came back down the stairs. And left me. Didn't even ask me to go and look at the class to see what they were doing. You know, he just yeah. left me. At, yeah. And I was just like, you know, so I went out to Cable Street and uh, <laughs> funny, jiu-jitsu, funny. You know, walked in and the George Santos BJJ and the guy who was tantrum and uh, he gave me a come on. I said, Raul, I think you were there. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was just hooking. I was hooked. You know. Two weeks after that, I mean, Cork, we yourself, was watching you and the other guy training and fighting. I remember, because it was only two weeks down, the, I was still coming with a campo mentality. I didn't yeah. know it's a soft, gentle art. Mm. It's about brotherhood and fellowship and supporting each other and nurturing each other, not killing each other. I know you had that mindset, you know. Yeah. I was still coming from hard. I didn't know what soft was mm. in an art aspect. And I remember going down to Cork, and the night before, this is how insane, like, I'm an extremist, I have that mentality of addict. You know, when I go in, I all in. I remember the night before, I was 84 kilos or 85. I remember bleeding, shadow boxing and skipping for an hour <laughs> the night before, right? Before the fight, yeah. not knowing what the fight was, right? <laughs> gets up at four o'clock, doesn't eat and doesn't drink and gets on a poxy bus, sorry for the language. No, gets on a bus, goes down to Cork, goes out onto the mat, goes onto the weighing scales, puts the kimono on, puts the steps on the scales, your man says, right, fight. And I'm like, where's my blade and field? Can we not get rest? So I went out. So the guy pulled guard. I know what pulling guard is now today. Yeah, yeah. So he pulled guard. And I remember picking him up and I was just about to slam him on the ground and George starts going, no, fuck, no. <laughs> and I remember putting him down as if it was a little kitten. And the fucker cross choked me. And I remember looking at him, and he said to me after the fight, and it's funny, you know, this, this is the mad head that I have. So he's cross-choking me, and I'm looking at him, and George <laughs> is screaming, answer the phone. This is like two weeks. I remember you won. You was yeah. won that competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember just blacking out, and I remember hearing, I was lying on grass. The sun was shining coming over the mountain. I remember that, and I could hear in the background, Keith, are you there? Are you there? And I remember waking up with John's ambulance, the medics standing over me and everyone standing up around the arena because it was gone for a minute or so I was out. But I remember sitting up and looking at your man and go, nice. And he just looked at me, but we were talking at it. <laughs> but George said to me, what the fuck? He said, answer the phone. I said, answer the phone. I said, I fucking got, he said, you went to fucking sleep. He said, I said, I got on the fucking bus. I got out of bed to come down here and go back to sleep. Fuck off. And a long time, like, it took me to find the soft in jiu-jitsu mm. because I was going in with ego, but I didn't know ego was fair. Yeah. I just didn't want to be hurt, so I was trying to hurt people before I got hurt. Yeah. The old me, 
and that's not what it's about. Yeah. So over the years, like I, I'm on a tired now in jiu-jitsu and my beliefs and values has changed and as a as a human being I've changed as well. And back again to the Buddhist stuff. I started to back up in Inchi Core again, back in that centre and the man that brought me fifteen years ago is still there doing the same thing. Wow. He's still healing and helping and guiding people to whatever they need to be. And the way just, that initially he brought you up to that first Jesus, crazy. And, and crazy. that's that's the nature of life. A cycle of what am we here for? What am we actually doing here? What mm. am we actually implementing into other people's lives? So we've been on a journey of self-discovery and I've been through a few different things the past couple of years. My mum, two years ago, Christmas Day, she died in my arms. Wow. And I've been there of service because of this way of life that I found. Recovery, Buddhism, martial arts, on community. I'm there to be a service. And like even when my mum was dying and she was six years, you know, kidney failure, all that kind of stuff. I have a video of when things get tough for me, I have it on my phone. She took 12 steps. The physio has her 12 steps in a matter of hospital. And she's climbing these with a couple of days left to live. Thinking that she climbs these 12 steps, she's coming home. And she's still climbing them steps. I have it on my phone, I'll show wow. you. And anytime I feel like, I haven't got the energy to do it. I haven't got the power. I haven't got the courage. Inspiration. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the nature of self tapping into. Yeah. You know, that's my linear. And it's the same with the jits, you know, where I went to Europeans, I competed. First time I went over, two days before I got a broken rib and I still competed and it's funny, I was on the floor and the guy uh, pulled guard went to side, caught me in an armbar and he escaped, then caught me in a triangle and back to the armbar. And in the middle of it, I had a moment of, I'm gonna learn this shit. <laughs> and I smiled yeah. and tapped. Amazing. And I walked out to George and I says, I'm learning Jiu Jitsu now. Beautiful. In the middle of the Europeans. Yeah, yeah. I went back then, I got silver the next year and then I got bronze and I got brown belt then. And like, I'm still a blue belt. I still feel of loads of learning in me, you know. Uh, but the thing about it is, I, I turn up on the good days, the bad days, and my journey is now I want to be a jiu-jitsu teacher with yoga and jits. And it's not about, and I was talking to you about it, it's not about the financial aspect. That comes with building other people up mm. internally and then externally. That's the way I work. You know, I, I help people. I have a lot of people that come to me for different issues, trying to help them with suffering, you know, with depression, with self-esteem, with fitness, with goals. Just trying to do the next right thing. When my own son had a nervous breakdown last year, you know, and he's schizophrenic and he's suffering that today and I'm being a service to him. I try to take the emotional aspect of everything that's in my life today and look at where's the helping aspect. You know, mm. even with my mum, I stopped seeing my mum as my mum, even though I know she's my mum. You know, we went on dinner dates, went to movies, went to see loads of concerts with her before she died. And I got to heal the broken parts that I took from her. Amazing. I was able to gel that back because of the essence of what I've been given, yeah. not the essence of what I am, because I'm nothing. You know, if yeah. I'm something, that's my ego. If I'm nothing, I'm, I'm still learning. Yeah. Does that make that's sense? an interesting concept. Like, I think about, people talk about that with like, you know, this, like, I don't know if it's a Buddhist, uh, <laughs> the 
I don't know if it's a Buddhist um, concept of like that emo- not emotionless, but it's like it's like removing the 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 egotistical emotion from it, but like underneath that, there's a deeper soulful connection to to the thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like oh, if somebody dies, or like you spending that last bit of time with your with your mother, and removing that egotistical emotion from it. As opposed, and and there's a deeper connection there. Do you know what I mean that's something I kind of, I don't know, I struggle to understand that. Or I think maybe a lot of people struggle to understand that. And there's the stoic approach to things, which is like, well, if you look to be this like emotionless. It's not about being emotionless. It's, it's about like, it's removing. about being more compassionate. Yeah. So, if you're looking for something that you've always been searching for in an individual or a thing, it means that you're putting the attachment onto that and you have expectations. But for me, if I'm looking at it as another human being, I can have empty, I can, can have mm. compassion because I'm not putting it into one box. Yeah. I'm looking at it as a bigger psyche. Yeah. So I'm not looking at my wants and needs to how I feel because that person is not giving me what I want. Yeah. I'm not searching, I'm not trying to, mm. you know. Uh, it's like being, yeah, what can you give? What can yeah, you, you know, give to that person? And that's where the meaning, like, that's where It's the, like uh, if you're in a relationship and you have to, your parent keeps on saying to you, I love you, I love you, and you say, do you love me? Why do you need that justification? Mm. Why do you need that validation? Yeah, yeah. If you love you and you love everything around you and everything that you're doing, well, then the love that's around you is the love already you have. Yeah, and you don't need verbal confirmation it, all the time. <laughs> yeah, because then that's only our fear. Yeah. Fear of not being accepted. It is fear. Yeah, it yeah. is fear. And, and we react on fear. Mm. And the thing about it is, for me, you know, uh, it's the now. I can't eat tomorrow. It's then not tomorrow. Today. Yeah. It's now. What am I doing mm. now? What are you doing? Like? And like even with the, or like I want to own my own studio. I don't want to have it to the point where it's fucking all about what's in the tail. That'll happen. It's. I want to give. Mm. Like the communities, they're ravaged today. Yeah. The homeless today and the young ones have no hope. There's no, there's no network for them. There's no support network. There's no vessel. Mm. That's more key. There's no vessel. I know when I go into jiu-jitsu, when I know other people that suffer from different things in their lives, stress, family, work, unmanageability, all stuff that's internally going on. When you go in and roll or train or connect the self or connect the breath, mm. connect to yoga, connect to meditation, and take yourself out of the psyche of the rat race of whatever it is. Yeah, enhancing and enriching yourself, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I know when I do that, mm. and I come out, I come out with different shell. Yeah, and look, these things are taking the the place of like formalized religion is is gone now, and that's Dogma. like. But I think that's like 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 obviously Catholic fucking religion is like the organized fucking Catholic religion. It was not a great thing. But those definitely elements of like functional like real value in there for people you know what i mean like that for like following yeah there's like a spirit there's a practice in there that you serves look, a purpose if you look at you know? the fundamentals of any religious belief there was always attraction to yeah. someone that was given a message mm. it's the message yeah and the messenger yeah it's but not we get caught up in the practices practices. like in the in the ritual of whatever that the the yeah, the so, so for me, if we walk into my community today, mm. the people that we used to walk by me will always say hello to me. Yeah. They will say to someone else, just Keith's looking well, Keith's down, this, Keith's down. Yeah. Not for me to get affirmation. Yeah. It's because 
the pillar of what I'm on and becoming mm. is the pillar of what I'm on and being neutral. 100%. Yeah, Do you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm not walking around me community today, I'm walking mm. in it. I'm just checking that. Yeah, we're all good. Um, you alright for time, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a couple That's of things. That's not born in years off. No, this is fucking gold, man. Um, I don't want to dwell on like the negative, but like I do think like if we could go back a little bit to like that first instance where you were at a pill session and you did that brown shit that you didn't know what it was. Like, so I want people to have a bit of like you can look at addicts, you know what I mean? You can look at people and you can have like zero compassion for them. And I think it's important to remember that. Like, why age you at that time? 17 around 16 yeah, 17, 17 yeah, you're a kid like do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. you didn't know what that was you know your head on drugs like as you know I'm sure when I was down well, you know what boiled day, down to at the end of the day people place mm. gone with the bike mm. it's very easy 100%. social media has it you dress the same way you look the same way you are the same way mm. and you won't be taken other than that same way Today, you look at the women, the majority of them have big arses, they're walking, they're booty, 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 booty. Yeah, yeah. It's all about the booty because of the Kardashians or whatever. Yeah. You know, or it's so this true. brand, you know, it's these ideas that are 500 euro. Yeah. Tell that to the poor person and the man that uh, working class people trying to put fuel on the table and trying to people please their kids yeah. to feel part of the community around them. Yeah. Getting loans off the money lender yeah. that they're paying by the month out of something they haven't got to help their kid be able to be in a box that other people want them in. Yeah. That's what we're living, that's it's society so today. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's what it's about. It's about, you know, if you're not like this, you're not in this. Yeah. If you don't walk this way, you're not in it. And that's a tribal thing, it's like this yeah. old tribal thing of like, if you're not, like to fit in with a tribe in a small group, like obviously there's benefits to having those like things where you all do the same things and practices and that like, jails everyone as a unit but now it's like there's no fucking tribe the tribe is like the instagram it's it's, it's hundreds of thousands of millions of people that you're trying to fit in with and it doesn't actually fucking matter in the long run do you know what i mean yeah how do we look how do we look how do we look <laughs> look great mate no <laughs> but yeah but i don't need that yeah we yeah. don't need to look so at the some... step outside of that though like it's very hard the cost of that is a certain amount of like alienation yeah so you've got to be prepared but then to... Where alienation comes liberation. Liberation yeah, is much more empowering than alienation. Mm. I'd rather be a liberator than be... 100%. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'd rather walk my own yeah. truth than try mm. to walk someone else's life. Yeah, but that takes courage, you know? Yeah, but it takes and suffering. It, yeah, it, it takes is, yeah. suffering. And like that's where the spiritual awakenings come. Mm. You know, does it, it... The next time you're out in a social aspect, look at when people are chattering, I, I tend to always constantly listen. <laughs> yeah. And how people sign off on other people's beliefs and values mm. in the concept of a social aspect. And if you step back and listen, you can hear how people, yeah, don't like him, don't like her. Yeah, yeah that doesn't look nice. Yeah, I would have not wore that. Oh, hey, Mary, you look great tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I we do. can change, we're like chameleons. Mm. But this is like, yeah, faces of masks that we wear. This yeah. is something that's actually been fucking a big thing for me for the last couple of years is like noticing myself, like acting differently around different people and then like, you know, doing different things. It's funny where you just slip in and out of these fucking social masks without even thinking about it and trying to like cut that back and just be like the same person to everyone. And it's actually like 
fucking super difficult to do and it causes a lot of friction in our life you know because people <coughs> I don't you know. see it the same way. I yeah, want you to be the same yeah, way. Yeah. See me? I couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> I, what you see is what you get on that. Yeah, yeah. I love that though. You know I mean? But that's, that's me. Refreshing. You know what I mean? I we don't need to be in this group mm. to feel uh, validated. Mm. We don't. Mm. If you don't validate you for who I am and my truth, why am I around you? Yeah. I don't need you. It's not that you yeah. need me. Yeah. And you is know? there a certain element of like you need to have this nearly cutthroat mentality to it to be like, you know what I mean? Like that, that thing where, okay, this is who I am this is what I'm about and like if you don't like that but you know if you don't know me and you sit down with me like I, I constantly interact with people in different walks of life different aspects high low middle no different mm. human connection suffering is whatever you know uh, energy is whatever uh, mm. in the moment is whatever and, and I, I interact like I used to when I used to teach in the early days I'll be teaching bankers financial aspects and if you used to feel less than they have to go in the toilet and be saying a serenity prayer and I have something for you today just to give to you before we live mm-hmm. you know and uh, does this prayer God grant me this serenity to accept the things that cannot change the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference yeah. right, that used to be my mantra so I'd go into the toilet and say that and then I'd say no they're validating they're here for what you have not the other way around yeah. it's not what's in their pockets yeah. it's what's in your heart mm. And when I come from a heartful place, not all the time we can be like that, but over the years now with the practices that I've done and the awareness of self, because it's no one else I can be aware of. Yeah, yeah. I can't change how you think, feel and eat, how you chew your food, how you swallow it. Mm. But I have to interlink and feed off the same food. We need nourishment. Yeah. And that's why people need people. I can't do this on my own. That's why we need we. And for me, I need to light more in the people around me. I have to have light minded people. Yeah. If I have negative state of people, they'll drain my positivity mm. or they'll suck me into their negativity. And that's not my truth. It's about truth, isn't it? It's yeah, about freedom and liberation. Yeah. And that word liberation yeah. is so vast of uh, dynamics. Like, first time I went away on my own, when I done the Camino twice, you know, when I travelled around Asia, when I went to Bali on my own in the middle of a breakup. You know, I was suffering and I was hurt and I was sad and I was lonely. But I was nurturing my spirit. Mm. It was back to the essence of me. It's always back to me. Mm. Not that it's all about me, but I can only look at me. Yeah. It's not about because she didn't feel that I was worthy enough. Or they, she had a college degree or different things mm. or I wasn't compatible. No one is compatible to anyone. You have to walk on stuff. It's give and take. Yeah. And if you're coming from a loving Especially place. relationships. Yeah, it's hard. Because <laughs> yeah. you're dealing with an entity that's not... Mm on the same level we're trying to find levels that are the same mm. or things that we like with each other mm. that we can nurture and gel or bond but when one is that way and one is that way you have to take the truth yeah that's that's truth yeah you sure. know it's the same with people in the drug they're all on the same level they mm. don't know any different they're not being told the information that there's a way out they're not being given an opportunity to change they're not mm. given an opportunity. Like people come to me all the time, and family members of different people. Like <clears throat> I'm not talking about it, and I don't talk about the things I do because then it's taken away from the gift of doing something. If I do something with no one, don't need it. Because yeah. then I've been telling someone it's for me ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've helped a lot of people over the years, and by doing that has helped me. Nice. I've got paid. I've got paid in here. In karma. Yeah. yeah. My karma is now today. Yeah. I constantly. The more I give away, the more I get. Beautiful. It's way, it's way, you know, it's 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 not weird because weird is putting the mad down on it. 
it's it's an amazing experience yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm having so far in my life. Like I want to write this book. I want to start a martial arts club. I've loads to give, and I've loads of knowledge and love and kindness to give. And I'm just waiting for the opportunity. Yeah. I just need an opportunity, and I haven't been given it yet. Yeah. And I know this heavens, the universe, me dharma. I know it's coming. I can feel. I'm on the cliff. I'm ready to dive. I'm ready to do a backflip. Don't mind about fucking splashing into it. I want it, you know, I'm yeah, hungry 100%. for it. You know, because yeah, yeah. I know, like yourself, you know, we've seen you over the years and the work you're only doing to build your own character. Because mm. it is. I used to be a character. Now I've, I am of character. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Yes, I used to be absolutely. foxy. I'm not foxy, I'm cute. Yeah. You know, we always say that I used to be a character, but now I have characters. Mm. The same meaning, but a different volume mm. of what it means. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think like when you're from like a, a inner city area or from like a, we all have it, but it's like you tend to build a persona, you know, for protection. You know what I mean? But yeah, like it's a the real persona is like when you shed that and you realise that actually underneath it, like Keith is fucking stronger than Foxy. You know what I mean? Because Keith is aware of his but vulnerabilities. I'm softer, yeah, yeah, no, but you like being aware of those vulnerabilities and yeah. embracing them actually makes you. I, I hate confrontation. Yeah. I hate aggro. I hate drama. Mm. You're not afraid to go there if it, if it comes up. No, you know? I, I think they're both actually fucking very important because yeah. if you go all one way and you're like, yeah, it's great, peace and love, and like all that stuff is great. I'll give but you a funny story. You better be prepared to stand up, you know what I mean? I'll give you a funny story. <laughs> Last Christmas on the family stall, yeah. Roy, we taunted the two jits, guys, brown belts, uh, Martin, you know Martin, yeah. Nadal, yeah. and Thomas Cashin. Two lovely guys, we're talking about martial arts and about philosophy and blah, blah, blah. Real early fairy, as you do with jits, you know, the way we talk about yeah. loud of bollocks. Out <laughs> of nowhere, a Romanian guy is rubbing off the back of the star, and we don't know. So we're going to get called around by another star member, go around. Before I know it, I'm de- reenacting him, strangling him to sleep on the floor in the middle of Henry Street. <laughs> the lads come around, look, and they like, what the fuck? That's me bread and butter. It's the principle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two minutes earlier, there's loads of principles. Yeah. When I go around here, I'm a different beast <laughs> because I fear. Yeah. Someone's trying to take something that's mine mm. that I walk for. Mm. But on this side, I'm talking all real nice and de- next I'm strangling real nice and they're looking at me like, like I'm having a normal conversation <laughs> and the next thing I'm strangling a guy uh, in the middle of the industry yeah. putting him asleep and yeah. then he came back two days after and he looked at me and he, he came over and I explained right, so the explanation was so valid at that day I was saying three things could have happened he was getting about eight kicks into the face he was getting boxed around and I was getting taken away in handcuffs yeah exactly you know yeah yeah something was being broke mm. I was getting taken away in handcuffs or I was putting you asleep and no one was hurt. You know, you're doing wrong. This is telling the guy. And he looked. And the reality is, he won't take on all my style again. (laughs) But that's that's what's the right thing and what's not the right Mm, thing, you know? Exactly, yeah. You know? And that's a hard line to draw as well, you know what I mean? Yeah, like like even approaching a confrontation with compassion. Is an interesting concept, isn't it? Like, yeah. of, you know what I mean? Like, you could easily just start swinging digs at him. Oh, they could have brought him up, 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 up,
Why well, I, I think about karma sometimes, I'm like, like, right, karma is like retribution in a way for your bad deeds, yeah? Would that be a good way of describing it? Yeah, but then karma? there's karma, there's good karma. Yeah, yeah, there's good karma also, yeah, yeah. So you can say just retribution for your deeds. But it, it, like, karma doesn't get enacted. Like, there has to be, like, it's not always, doing something like that isn't always a completely negative thing because there's a karmic element to that. Yeah. Like, that guy is stealing. Yeah, he he's was taking bread off your table, table. You know what yeah. I mean? He's taking yeah. money out of your pocket. So there's a certain karmic element to that. Of justification. Yeah, like that. As long as you do it in the way you did it, I think it's. Uh, well, I didn't. Oh, I didn't intentionally go out and hold him in a malice way. Yeah. And well, a lot of people that would be like very like, oh, fucking strangle someone unconscious. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's pretty. To a lot of people, that's hardcore, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, but like, the reality is the lesser of two evils sometimes is the one that always, what's the right thing to do in that yeah. moment? And to be able in the moment of fucking, ins not insanity, of reactiveness, because mm. that's what we react off, how we feel, mm. boom, gone, yeah. fight or flight, yeah. do you know? Mm. And that's where the mindfulness stuff of playing tapes, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, like, I'm always about, Okay, even when I'm doing techniques, I look at the end game before and I see where they're starting. Because I know where I'm trying to get. It's yeah. like in a movie, you know. Mm. You, you know, if I'm here, I want to get there, I have to touch this to get that. Mm. There's a reaction. And it's how I bring me a reaction. If we come with a plas passive reaction, then things are going to be okay. If we come with an aggressive, I'm going to be met with aggressive. Yeah, yeah. And even I've that, had that experience. But so that's many in times. relationships. Yeah. That's in, because then you start talking down to each other. Mm. Life is about talking up, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's about elevating yeah. stuff, not fucking depressing it. Yeah. You just tweaked a memory for me there. I was in town a little while ago. It was like a bank holiday Monday. And I was driving around. I dropped Aoife off. And I was driving around. I was going to park up, running into the shop. So I'm pulling in. It's bank holiday Monday now, right? So I'm pulling in outside Fallon Bourne there. And uh, in a Loudon Bay, because it's bank holiday Monday. It's technically a Sunday. So you can park, yeah. park yeah. in the yeah, Loudon Bay. right, yeah. So uh, I'll pull into the Loudon Bay parked the car up and then a fella comes out and knocks on the window you know what I mean and he's, he's in a truck and he's trying to get parking up in the Loudon Bay bangs on the window real aggressive we wind the window down how can I help you mate uh, you're gonna fucking move there are you and uh, I said no I'm parking up he said it's a fucking Loudon Bay like real aggressive he said yeah it's also a played in bank holiday Monday right so we can park in the, in the Loudon Bay yeah fucking you know what I mean fucking parking in the fucking Loudon Bay and I just said here whoa whoa Hang on, mate, don't fucking come at me like that, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't, and he just, he, he got real, like, throw off, going, oh, come on, fuck yourself, and he went, he walked off, and I just bleeding let roar at him out the window. Yeah, fucking cunt, it's a fuck, and I just lost it, you know what I mean? I was screaming like a lunatic. But that's because it was stored in Because the, the way he came at me, but I also reacted, like, in, in, in I, I met his, his, anyway, I was sitting there for a second, and I could see him in the mirror, sitting in the bleeding truck, you know? And then I started feeling bad. And I was like, oh, fuck's sake, you know, the poor cunt. He's only trying to do his job. So I rolled down the window. I gave my thumbs up and I pulled out. And I went around the block. I was looking for another spot. And when I came back, there was another car after pulling into the fucking, into the spot that I was in. And he was still waiting there. So I pulled up beside him. I rolled the window down. And he said, what the fuck, mate? I pulled out to let you in. And uh, he looked at me and, like, he had anger on his face. And I, I just I just got a, a feeling of He's probably suffering. compassion, you know what I mean, for him, like. And I just said, uh, oh, look, mate, I was fucking, I'm sorry. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have shouted at you like that. I shouldn't have met you with that kind of, 
but now we are just trying to do our job. And the way his face changed, his whole face just dropped in. He just smiled at me and he said, look, thanks very much, man. He said, look, I'm just, it's, it's just stressful, days. you know what I mean? And I actually played, and I drove out around the corner and I was fucking him. I had to pull in. It was like that emotional, like with tears in my eyes. And I, 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 was, I was laughing to myself. I was like, you know, I just... But when changed the way we approached him yeah. and the whole thing just changed he went off happy and I went off happy instead of the way I was when he we went around the block the first time cursing and blinding about it's him it's the you same when you teach someone and they come back and give you good feedback mm. thanks I really needed that yeah. you really pushed me today was a day that was whatever and just that affirmation of yeah. okay I'm being annoyed with this person or this thing at this moment yeah. to enrich and not uh, nurture yeah and it's the same with me where I've seen over my time relationships, different things that have come through in my life. Just junctions to bring each other to the whatever point. Mm. Instead of holding on to the resentment and the fucking why me and why was that and the cunt this and I don't. I look at the nice things and me, I look at the, the growth out of suffering. Yeah. In the Yeah. I take positive a lesson in everything like Yeah, I always yeah. take positive. Yeah. You know, even when I, I was it. in the barley walking around me and I was just absorbed in myself. I wasn't I was naming where I was at to myself, but then I was going to get a noise claim and I was moving myself, I was nurturing the spirit. You know, I was taking yeah. care of myself. Yeah. yeah. And actually being in that even though you're not in a great place, being in it, you yeah. know. That's something that I was never never good at and like I'm learning to do now is that even like like my dog died recently and it's like yeah. Like it was a big thing for me, like, do you know what I mean? It was like actually just sitting in it and being like, this is a feeling that I need to experience. And it's like, there's a certain, not, there's, it's not a pleasurable thing. But, but there's it's a passage a, of it. It's a, yeah, these are feelings that like are supposed to be felt as part of dealing with the thing. If you don't feel the feeling, if you don't like sit in it, you, you don't get to deal. It. Yeah, you don't get the heal, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like, I know that probably sounds like, no, but it's true. Common sense, but for me, that's like a... a but everyone, everyone has some form of escapism to run from how they feel. Mm. It's an automatic switch yeah. that we just, you know, boy clothes, boom, 10 seconds after the feeling, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. The runners are runners. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. the next thing? Yeah, do you yeah. know, I'm, yeah. I'm constantly yeah. always trying to escape, you know? It's true. But I think that's a good place to, yeah. to call it. Yeah. That's been leading epic. Thank you so yeah, much for so being much. so yeah, fucking yeah, cool. open, brother. Yeah, it's just, it's just me. Yeah, now it's beautiful. Yeah, that was the easiest podcast ever. Didn't have to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Boom, boy, jump and go.